a Podcast One production. Hi, I'm Helen McCabe, the founder of Future Women, a club to connect, learn and lead. In this series, we bring you some of the most thought-provoking speakers from our live events. It's not enough to be good at your job. So how do you get noticed and rewarded and be the best person you can be? Megan Houghton, Executive General Manager, Energy Solutions, gives the most practical advice of the series. I certainly learnt a lot. Here's Megan. Okay, what I wanted to talk to you about today was using influence to position for yourself, for your own gain, as well as to drive uh, outcomes for your business as well. Uh, It's very difficult now to lead through a compliance lens. You need to create a commitment lens. I know that's a bit of a captain obvious statement, but I wanted to share when it became really captain obvious to me. Um, this, This is a really quick overview of my sort of last 20 years. And when I was a director at PwC and you had to win fees and create billable hours, you really had to influence. And I don't think I gave it a lot of thought. I think it, 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 you know, I was doing things a bit naturally. I was copying people around me, etc. And then I moved into some leadership roles, into CEO or Director General, where I had a lot more authority and, uh, you know, I started to actually enjoy some of that authority because it's a lot easier than influencing sometimes. But two years ago, I left the government uh, and I went to work for ERM Power, which is an ASX-listed company, and in an EGM role and a completely different culture and environment, I really had to start to influence again. So not just the CEO, not just the board, not just my peers, but my team as well. Um, You know, and the business had been built uh, with some acquisitions. So I had founders and small business owners in that group who, uh, you know, were feeling pretty good about themselves because they just sold their businesses for a lot of money. And if anyone has tried to manage entrepreneurs, it's not always easy, worth it, but not always easy. So what I've learnt over the last 20 years is that positioning to influence really has four key elements that you have to nail. And there has been a lot of discussion today about brand, about networking, about communication, uh, and I want to touch on those. So building a brand, you have to build your club And it's not just a network, it has to be a club. You need to be able to communicate with cut through. And I want to give you some tips on that as to what I've learnt over 20 years that is now proving invaluable to me. And then understanding your worth. So let's start with building your brand, which must be done deliberately. So just to encapsulate those first four points, and we talked about brand before and the importance of a personal brand. If you can think of three circles that intersect into a Venn diagram. One circle, you actually articulate the values that are really important to you. So integrity, achievement, making sure you deliver. The other circle, you write down your strengths and your skills. You know, am I an operational person? Do I love attention to detail? Does that actually drive me crazy? And I am really strong in the strategy space. Am I good at building businesses? Am I good at leading transformations? And then in the third circle, you write down your motivation. And I guess if you take Tammy's lead, that's the why. It's not always for purpose, though. I think that a lot of people at different stages in their career, their motivation is making money. And that is okay. 
Uh, it may not lead to the greatest satisfaction after a while, but it's okay if that's what's in your circle. So where those three circles overlap is really where you are super strong and you will authentically make a really good difference. So if you can do that exercise and write on a bit of paper, that's where you can actually start to think, well, maybe that's what brand I should be pushing forward. So for me personally, I have a big integrity button Yes, I worked for government, but I have a big integrity button. Um, I'm, a, I'm very much an achiever. I want to see things get done. I'm strong in the strategy space, creating new businesses. And I do it because I like to uh, support, I like to make money, but I also like to support people to save on their energy because I think it's a waste of money. Um, but I also do some other things that I do because I genuinely believe in promoting women into leadership. So. The key point, other point on here too, is once you've got your personal brand and you put it out there like all of the panels before us talked about, it's also important to share your insights and your observations. Otherwise, you're a lighthouse in the desert, you're brilliant, but you're not much use to anyone. There will be times as well when you create your brand that you are going to have to roll your sleeves up and suck up your ego because it won't always happen. It will take a long time to penetrate uh, into the external world. Another challenge that a lot of women talk to me about that they face is that once they're pigeonholed, how do they move their brand? So um, this happens a lot in Australia, I think, particularly in the energy industry because it's a small industry and everybody just keeps moving around. They don't actually leave the industry. You just find them in Queensland one year and in Victoria the next. Uh, that's been my experience. Um, so how do you stop what people think of you? Like I had a guy say to me the other day, oh, she'd be great, but she's not that experienced. And I thought, she's got 15 years experience, but he worked with her as a graduate. So he still had that mental picture um, of her as a young woman who didn't have a lot of experience. So if you articulate what you want your brand to be, you need to be able to put your hand up and volunteer for experiences that will actually show people that you can deliver against that brand, make the transition, uh, you know, put your hand up to speak at conferences. If you don't have the opportunity to do that, run a lunch and learn session. You know, that's a start. That gets you in the right direction. Be very self-aware though, because once you write your brand down and you have a target of where you want to go, you don't necessarily just get there straight away. So if you can have people give you feedback on how you're progressing towards that brand, how you're perceived, uh, how you're coming across in different meetings, Another key trick is to sit down and write out a bit of a capability matrix. These are the things that I'm going to need to be good at if I want to nail that brand. So one might be public speaking, one might be technical knowledge in a particular industry, you know, one might be um, commercial, different level of commercial acumen, rate yourself against it, do the one to five, one being bad, five being great, and then focus on where you've got to plug the gaps and where you've got to play to your strengths in that matrix. And then you need to build your club. And we talked about before just that influencing. Third party influences are absolutely terrific and I will talk about building your club more in a moment. But I wanted to share a quick story with you. When I was a Director General, we were right in the middle of planning for the Commonwealth Games. In the same week, we had Small Business Week and we had the Tourism Expo for Australia being hosted at the Gold Coast. All of those three industries were in my portfolio. I got a phone call from the Premier's Director General at the start of that week that said, we need to get you in front of the Premier. That's never a good sign. Something had happened 
and I had been bad-mouthed and I was going, oh my God, what's going on here? So I deliberately rang the head of the International Commonwealth Games Federation and said, hey Dave, we've been working together a lot. I'd really like appreciate a plug when you meet with the Premier this week. Then I met uh, the head of uh, the chair of the Board of the Tourism and Events Queensland Board, who was running the expo, and said, hey, Bob, you know when you acknowledge people in the room at the dinner, would you mind just giving me a bit of a special mention? I'd really appreciate it. And then at the small business, I did the same with the small business ambassador when she introduced the Premier to speak. So those three party endorsements paid off for me. And at the end of the week, the head DG rang back and said, I'm not sure what you've done, but you just got mentioned in Cabinet for doing a great job. So do not underestimate the power of your club. So let's talk about who needs to be in your club. Obviously, you need to be able to identify people in your team that you need to work with, people in your management that you need to think, uh, you need them to think you are great, uh, and then people up the tree. But you also need to identify people outside of your team as well. So a lot of us, I think, get sucked into the belief that I'm going to put my head down, I'm going to good, do a good job, and if I do good work, I'll get noticed. I just think that's a bit of old-fashioned thinking now. You need to take some time to be in the kitchen, to talk at the water cooler, to, to liaise with everybody else um, inside and outside your team. Okay, externally, when you create your club or you create your network, you have to create value for people, for them to want to engage with you and support you. And I'm not talking about sending an email that says, would you like to catch up for a coffee? please never send that because busy people don't want to catch up for a coffee unless they know you already. So send something if you want that creates value. I saw this article, I thought of you. Um, Harvard Business Review and McKinsey Quarterly articles are fantastic things to take snippets from and send to people that you know have got a particular challenge or issue. It's always impressed me. Um, so I quickly copied it and I do that sometimes now. So externally too, don't go to a networking event and think you have to meet 50 people in the room, pick five, get to know them deeply. It's not about who can collect the most business cards, it's who's got the relationship that when you send them an email later or you reach out on LinkedIn, they'll actually reply to you because they remember you. So find something in common with them as well if you can to make that connection. The third point up there is about your team. And this is where you do need your own individual focus group. And I would encourage you to have people outside of your organisation on this group, particularly as you move higher into leadership, you need people to bounce ideas off. So Personally, I have a group of five girlfriends who are all very senior in different corporate areas. Um, I use them. It's a fantastic excuse to get together for wine, but uh, they do always give very honest and open feedbacks. It's pretty handy. Okay, I want to get to what I think is the absolute key skill. Being able to communicate to get cut through. So. When you, as, as well as when you externally network with someone and they need to feel like they're getting value from you, that's also when you'll get somebody to really engage in listening with you is when they feel they're getting some value. And you only get value when you nail the what in a message as well as the how in the message. If you don't have one of those two elements, 
you're wasting your breath. You can have all the logic in the world, but if you don't connect with the person, you won't cut through. And if you can connect with the person, but what you're saying doesn't have any substance, you won't cut through. So you need to think about the what and the how. So let's go to the what. Have your message together, understand where you want to go, so what outcome you're trying to achieve through the communication, so start with that end in mind. Obviously focus on the key messages, and I want to just give you two tips. One is people absorb information in threes, and this was one of the very early lessons I learnt in life through PwC training, and it is absolutely fantastic. So I use it now when I coach sport, when I, when I need to pitch to the board, I always use it. So you open with, there's three key things I'd like you to take away from this. There's three key points I'd like to make today. You know, three, it's a fantastic number. Alliterations, you know, three things starting with P, three things starting with C are always terrific. So I'll often stand up in front of the board and say, this is how we're going to leverage our retail presence more. It's an issue of culture, capability, and the contract structure. And it just resonates with people. So that's just a handy tip that I wanted to share. Make sure, obviously, when you are communicating, you simplify and you add value. The how, for me, I really wanted to hone in on everybody is different. And if you can flex your style to be able to communicate with different people, you can influence anyone, anywhere. So when we talk about the difference in people, people uh, transmit, as in send the message out to the world very differently, and they receive in how they take on messages very differently. And I wanted to run you through a model that Executive Central uses. Um, these guys are executive coaches and I think this, this model really nails it. So when you have a look at transmission behaviour, you get the people who are really high transmitters. So they're usually louder, they talk faster, they've got big hand gestures, their body language is, all, is, is really out there. The really big transmitters think while they talk. And then at the other end of that, the lower transmitters are more reflective. They're usually the quieter people, they're more conservative, uh, and they like to process that information a little bit slower than the people who are talking like this. No right or wrongs in this model. You've just got to understand somebody's different operating style and it will really help you cut through. So on the receptive behaviour, the high intensity side of it is people that can notice all the different body language in the room, the tones, the emotion, the vibe of the room. Sometimes you can even walk in and get the feel of the room. Whereas down the other end of the spectrum, people are very focused. So they don't necessarily notice that there is some emotion going on. They're focused on the task or what is happening. So then you go, okay, how do you use this model for the so what in how you communicate with people and how you influence them? You need to know where they land. So in that high transmission, high reception, we call those people connectors. High transmission, lower intensity, we call those people drivers. They're all about results. Then you have the people who love the detail. Then you have the people who are very focused on other people. Now, keep remembering that you need to identify with yourself a little bit here to know how you might be coming across, but also to try and understand what um, the people you need to influence, what style they're coming from. So as an example, the drivers. We talked about, you know, they are fast, they're high level detail, they are progress, they are action. A lot of CEOs fall into this bucket. 
if you want to deal with them and you want to be more um, effective in your communication, open with the objective. Give them a result to focus on. What I need from you today is that we want to walk away with decision X, a yes or a no. And then they get focused and all the detail goes into there. You must be to the point, concise and clear. Do not waffle. You'll lose them. You've got about 10 seconds with these sort of people to have their attention um, before they just go, oh, I'm over it. Keep the top level detail, but show them what the impact on the bottom line is. They love numbers, these sort of people. Okay, then we go to the connector. So they do like um, working in teams, they like collaborating. They're a little bit prone to overreading because they're very highly receptive. I'm hoping that a few of you can um, relate to that in this room because I definitely can. They like to solve other people's problems and they always want to know about what's the impact of the decision on people. So with these guys, build rapport with them before you go to them with a key decision that they need to make. Uh, make sure that you ask their opinion while you're talking to them because they like to have input. They like to participate. Uh, they always like to have a say and make sure that when you communicate whatever you're trying to do, you cover the issue of what will the impact on people be. With the detailers, they love the data, they love the analysis, they love process and rigour and reliability and they like going right down into the weeds. Um, and you need to be careful because if you're quite a strategic person or a connector, they can drive you absolutely crazy, but you also drive them crazy. So just remember that. With these guys, always start with an agenda, let them know what the plan is, even give them notice. Tomorrow when we meet, I'd like to talk to you about X, Y and Z. These guys will send you emails and have lots of attachment and lots of detail. And they're always task orientated too, so make sure when you end the meeting you go, okay, the next steps are. All right, really quickly, humanistics. Uh, these guys want to know that you've consulted people, you've engaged stakeholders. The decision you're bringing to them has been uh, rounded out with a lot of different people. So they want you to invite them to talk as well. They're very quiet, these people. You have to give them the invitation and you have to create space. You must ask their opinion. But when you ask them the question, get ready for the silence because they're thinking as they process. Don't jump in and fill a silence gap or don't jump in and try and um, end their questions. It's not going to work for you. Okay, so I hope, keep that in mind because that has been invaluable in my career for me. So just bringing a few top tips together, when you're communicating, play to their style, play to their strengths, you know, focus on the threes. The other thing a lot of women say to me is that I really uh, struggle finding space at the meeting to, to have my say. The guys are talking a lot, they're talking over me, etc. And I learned a really valuable tip about five years ago where I lean back in my chair and I open my arms, which catches their peripheral vision, and then that actually creates a space and I lean forward and I speak. So uh, the, the body language to create an opening or have some opening lines in your kit bag. So things like another way to look at that, or um, I'm puzzled. That always makes the room stop because they seriously think you're puzzled sometimes. Don't say I'm confused because then the boys jump in and they try and help you and clear it all up. Say I'm puzzled because that creates space. The other thing that you must have in your kit bag, two more things when you communicate, humour is gold. It can break down the pressure, it can cut any tension, hard negotiations, use some humour, um, you know, appropriate humour, and, and don't use self-deprecating humour because it gets 
it can get jumped on. Use a bit of humour and break it down. The other thing is make sure that you are comfortable having courageous conversations because you need those as a leader and too many people don't address the elephant in the room. So when you have a courageous conversation, prepare, practice and don't procrastinate. Okay, understand the value that you create, which will give you confidence to position to influence as well. So occasionally stop and actually write down what you've achieved in the last quarter or what you've achieved in the last month, because it'll give you opportunities to be able to slip it into a conversation occasionally without looking like you're self-promoting too badly, or it'll just give you the confidence to realise that you're doing a terrific job. Understanding the market you operate in, how your role is actually creating value for the organisation also gives you confidence. And then from a positioning of your own perspective, benchmark yourself against what other people are earning. Don't go for five years and not be aware of what your financial value is in the market. So if you're a listed company, you can do that by looking at annual reports. Uh, obviously, if you're, it's a private company, you're going to have to go on networking events like this, you know, ask some subtle questions. And make sure that you know recruiters in your field because they're a great source of what the market's doing and what it's earning as well. So in summary, build a brand, build a club, communicate to cut through, understand your worth, and make sure that you reach out and continuously develop and invest in yourself as well. And I just wanted to mention, Chief Executive Women is a group that I am a part of, and it has some amazing scholarships available for women who can go to Harvard, can go to INSEAD, can do some small, shorter courses, and not enough women apply for them. So please go onto their website and have a look, uh, their scholarships, so that, you, know, you can go to some of these fantastic universities fully financially supported. And Glass Ladder is just, uh, it's an online platform that a group of women and I are creating. It will be launched in May. And uh, it is about women sharing very authentically their advice to help middle-level management women navigate that uh, corporate ladder a little easier. So I hope that you can use some of those tips and you get to influence and it pays off for you. And remember, that was from one of our live events. And you can become part of the movement by signing up at futurewomen.com. The Future Women Leadership Series was presented by Helen McCabe and produced in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Executive producer, Jenny Goggin. Sound production by Darcy Thompson. 